Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Tuesday morning, Birds fans. How are you? You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, and we got two hours to give you content, which I could do two hours on just how my life is falling apart technically. Uh oh. What have we got going on? Pot issues. Oh, wow. My wife bought a new coffee pot, which is both a Keurig and a regular coffee. She does the Keurig, I do the regular. She gave me a tutorial at two o'clock in the morning when I'm getting off the air on WIP. Yeah. Yeah, I screwed it up. There's water all over the place. Oh, my oh, God. I'm with you, but we get a new coffee machine like every six months because my wife gets sick of it and it drives me insane because they're all different. They're all, uh, I just rather I have a, a Keurig. I can deal with it. I, I like my coffee pots. I don't like the Keurig. She likes the Keurig, but yeah, my mine was upwards of two years old. She goes, Jody, we never get two years out of a coffee. You need a new coffee pot. So she got a combo job, and I screwed it up royally this morning. So uh, that was a technical. I got technical issue with my radio equipment. Not 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 good. the 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 world is moving too fast, and I'm in the friggin' <laughs> slow lane. And more important than that, I like I said, we could spend two hours bitching and moaning about that. This one actually does annoy me, so I need John meteorologist mcmullen to give me a lowdown here uh you already got the dog out this morning uh yeah oh okay. man yeah god Did, yeah you, you were you wearing the shirt that you have on now is that long sleeve no no short sleeve short okay. sleeve though but i was short sleeve yeah yeah outside yeah it's cold out 
it wasn't. It's, it's chilly, but it wasn't. It's bad. chilly. It's friggin' May twenty third. Well, you want to hear seven you... days away from being in June. Why the hell should I have to throw a jacket on when I got to walk my dog at six o'clock in the morning? You you want to hear my personal hell? I got the air on, Jody. That's how insane my wife is. Okay. If it's seventy five out, she thinks she's in the desert, and I'm perpetually cold. That is my hell. Okay. I mean, it. it is beautiful out. See, I I loved it uh, going out in the morning with the short sleeves because, you know, to me that feels like eighty because I live in an ice box constantly. <laughs> I, that 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 is true hell. But I, see, I, here's here's the upside for you, and maybe it's really no upside, but at least it uh, technically is. You can at least negotiate that with your wife. No, no, I can't. I've tried. I have tried and tried. I tried. Well, the the only is... one who's tougher than your wife, the only bigger bitch is Mother Nature. Because there's no talking to her. When I went outside this morning, I couldn't believe I got a T-shirt on that I was actually really cold. I, I was severely tempted. I got a coat right next to the back door of the house. And I almost went back and put a coat on. That's how cold I was when I got the dog out at 635. Yeah, I I I love this time of year when it's cool in the morning. I I uh, I and and then you know she it, yesterday I had that conversation. The high was eighty, and she's telling me it's six in the morning to make sure you shut up and put on the air like it's gonna be like we live in Phoenix. I'm like, 80 is beautiful. Oh, 80, 80 can be a bit warm. I'm, I'm, I do not like conditioned air. I do I'm, not like it. I don't use it in the car unless it's just, you know, unless I'm I'm going somewhere where you can't be sweating uh, profusely. I do not like air conditioning. I do not like it. It it drives me insane. And when it's constantly on, uh Oh well, I'm, that'll I'm, that'll be the reason. I'm a little closer I get to you, divorced. your wife, on that one. Uh, I got no problems with air conditioning when it's warm enough outside. It's not. Yeah, warm all enough. right, ninety, not ninety. I'm with you. At ninety, I'm like, all right, it's hot. Let's put it on the air. But eighty, eighty is like ninety-five in my house, and 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 you know seventy. It's like, I have the air on. You're just talking about putting, I have the air on in my house. It is absurd. Well, now, no, it's I, never I running. I guarantee you it's not running because no. it's still only 50 degrees outside. And it shouldn't be 50 degrees outside at any point on May 3rd, May 23rd here in the Northeast. Uh, I'm sorry. Mother Nature dealt us a dirty hand. All right. Enough of the whining, enough of the complaining, and I apologize for starting it. <laughs> I got um, plenty of that with the NFL, man. Uh, oh. Yeah, we can do complain. All right. Yes. Yeah, we're going to stay a theme here, complaining. Yeah. John McMullen's a Jeff Lurie fan. Jody McDonald's a Jeff Lurie fan. In a town where we have other owners who don't hold up their end of the bargain, running and owning and being devoted to their team in the same way that Jeff Lurie is, it seems like uh, heresy to call Jeff Laurie on the carpet, but I'm going to do just that. Him and 23 of his compatriots who voted yesterday to allow flexibility, flexing games to Thursday night Amazon contests. Now, we'll give you all the details because it sounds worse than it is, but it's not. Yeah, it's not bad. We're only talking about weeks 13 through 17. So it's five potential weeks of games changing. 
they had uh, a conversation on it the last time the owners' meetings were had. And the vote was going to come down somewhere in the low high, uh, low 20s. They need 24 votes to pass it. You got to have a three-quarters majority. They didn't have quite that. So they never had an official formal vote. They just had a conversation about it. Roger Goodell is very good at running these things. He only yeah. has official votes when he knows he's going to win. Otherwise, yeah. people call them official votes. They have straw polls to see where the what the temperature is. They officially, I guess, twisted it in our farms and moved a couple of teams, went from abstaining to yes votes, and they got two teams, one of which was the Saints, to flip from a no to a yes so they got the 24 mandatory votes to allow this to happen to on a Thursday night, all of a sudden you got a Sunday game. Oh, no, the <laughs> sun's picking you. You got to move to Thursday night. After Eagle fans, if it's a road game, have made their plans and gotten tickets and gotten hotel rooms and made flight reservations. Oh, sorry about that. The game's not on Sunday. It's being moved to a Thursday night. At least with the flexing that NBC has, it's still the same day. It's still Sunday. It's just moving from either one o'clock or four o'clock Eastern time to an eight eight thirty game, eight twenty some whatever time they kick it off. This is a significant change. This is two days earlier. Johnny Mac, Jeff Lori was one of the twenty four voters who voted yes. I know you poo pooed John Marrett taking a hard line stance before, and I gave him credit for it. He was looking for out for the fans. Eight of the teams were, 24 of them weren't. Jeff Lurie wasn't one of them. That's that's selling out your fans, Johnny Mac. No other way around it. Yeah, well, um, it, it unquestionably is. They don't give a flying rat's ass about fans. I mean, number one, I bet, but to me, that's the oxen razor. That's obvious. We talked about this well, last but 28, week. 28, eight teams voted against it, John. Yeah, but, you know, I, I explain that. Look, you have some... I don't have a relationship with John Mara. Bottom line is there are 32, not billionaires, but 32 very, very rich people. There are a few that aren't billionaires. Most of them are billionaires well over. I don't trust those people to begin with. I've compared it in politics. We did this on the show back in March when everybody's like, well, at least they're not plexing. I said, hold, hold, hold on. If you remember, I said, nope, they'll just table it and they'll pass it. Trust me on that. They're going to pass it, and here we are, and they passed it. it. It's And we were talking about this last week. It's the lifeblood of the NFL and all ma- major sports, but even the NFL, 67% of their revenue comes from television. And to be honest, Jody, more than that, because the television exposure fuels the ticket sales and the market – you can't even gauge how much television means to professional sports in those rights fees. It is astronomical. So they keep throwing out this number, 7%. 7% of NFL fans uh, attend games. They don't give a shit. They do not give a crap about those people. That's stipulated. Now, as far as the eight hardline owners, look, I've compared it to politics. It's easy to vote against something and get on a soapbox and claim, oh, I care about the fans. When you know it's going to pass, you know it's going to pass. I don't know John Mara from Sunday. Maybe that's his true belief. I don't know. But all these owners, all 32 of these owners knew this was going to pass. 
And if there's a couple of them that have a little cachet and a little power and they don't want to be a bad guy, they can go out and they talk about it. But if you really mean it, go lobby behind the scenes. Like right, you mentioned twist your arms. Go lobby behind the scenes. Go twist your arms. They all know it's going to pass. That's why maybe I'm too cynical, Jody. But if I knew it was going to pass, they knew it was going to pass. So I don't give any of them a pass is what I'm trying to say. Jeopardy, they don't give a crap about people attending games. They want to make their television partners happy. That's all that matters. Now, to me, the biggest hypocrisy is the safety aspect of it. Because now you have the entire, this bull crap with the kickoffs and you'll be able to fair catch a kick behind the 25 and get it at the spot at the 25. This is going to create so much more safety versus forcing teams to play four or five games on a significant rest disadvantage when you talk about Thursdays and, 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 and coming off and, and doing things like that. Uh, everybody complains about short weeks, about rest, about getting your body rehabbed and getting ready to play and getting ready to do with the car crashes. No, but we'll do the, we'll do the fair catch, which 99%. Oh, it's the most dangerous play in football, which is still 1%. Doesn't matter. All it is, is a signal to say, Oh, we care about the players. No, you don't. The reality is no. I have more of an issue from the player perspective than a fan perspective. Yeah. People who go to games are going to get screwed. They don't care. They don't care. And if you have a problem with that as a fan, then don't go to the games because they are not going to kowtow to you when they're getting billions of dollars and 70% of their revenue from their TV partners. That's who they're going to kowtow to. Right, you, never, you never know. A couple things, John. Number one. Yeah, people go, oh, you're going to screw me with the guy? I'm not going to the games anymore. You're right. Uh, they, they'll probably turn their nose up and go, all right, yeah, we'll find somebody else to take the tickets, and they'll probably do a pretty good job of replacing those numbers. But if if it ever got into a an area where the television revenue started to show, wow, we're losing fans because we show yeah. utter disregard for the fans, not only they're not showing up at the games, they're also watching the games in lesser numbers than they did. Oh, then everyone would start to pay attention in that owner's room. But they don't. That's why. They don't. They watch, and they watch, and they don't turn it off. It's the only uh, uh, TV-proof property in in sports because everything – and not sports, in the industry as a whole. Everything else has declined. Everything. NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, everything has declined. Not the NFL. They just keep going up and up and up and up and up. And until people turn it off and until that affects their bottom line. And we had this discussion. If it wasn't last week, it was two weeks ago. And I warned everybody. I said, look, if those revenues ever go away because of, 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 you know, NBC or Fox or Amazon waking up one day and say, you know what? This is not the bang for the buck we're given, and we're just not going to do it anymore. Then you'll see real change. That I That's when you'll see real change. And oh, by the way, there's no evidence that's going to happen. Something that's, uh, and I, you know, I, mean, I guarantee they had it all negotiated out, but I've seen nobody speculate on it. These Amazon games, 
supposedly that are going to be flexed. It's to get a better game, right? That's why they're taking care of Amazon. Amazon is writing this mega check. Aren't they screwing CBS and Fox in doing so? Aren't they cherry picking games from those two yeah, networks? Cherry, are they know, getting a rebate because their games are being pilfered by Amazon? Uh, at some point, somebody's going to stand up and go, wait a minute. We, we get it. You want to take care of Amazon, but you're screwing us. How do Fox and CBS justify that? Go, yeah, go ahead. Take our good games. Put them on Amazon. I don't think so. That's why the schedule was so difficult this year, because they're trying to serve so many masters. And they're trying to, you know, instead of, you know, having three partners, say you have uh, CBS and Fox and, and you have the, the night games, um, and it's pretty simplified. Now you keep adding people in the mix because they want more and more money and you got to serve, you got to serve everybody. You got to, Oh, you got to make them happy. You got to make them happy. And Fox is, uh, 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 fighting to keep the Cowboys and Eagles and CBS is fighting to keep the Chiefs. And Amazon says, Hey, you know, and Jerry Jones has been the reason Jerry Jones is in the hall of fame. It's not for football related. It's for business reasons. Uh, you know, he's been tremendous from a business perspective for this league. He's been really the spearhead, the guy be, be behind the television committee. And he mentioned Amazon is like we were when we first got Fox and we want to make them happy because they're the shiny new, you know, they want to, you know, they have a storied history with CBS and Fox and ABC and ESPN. Those they know. And they're very comfortable with those. This is new and they want to make them happy. And that's kind of how he explained it. But, you know, while I say all this and it's the reality of the industry, it, it, it is pretty light. We're only talking five games. We're talking 28 days in advance notice. I don't think it's going to have much effect on anything. But I, I do, the hypocrit hypocritical nature of this league drives me insane talk about safety out one side of your mouth and then do all this crap that has just makes everything more difficult from a safety perspective. That is the part that bothers me the most. Um, I get it. You know, fans are uh, upset and, and fans who travel to games. That's the big thing, John. That's what I'm getting at. But it's so small in the large picture from their revenue generation. It's so small. They do not care. They're never going to care they i, I it, it it's it might not be fair for individual fans but that is a that's not even a drop in the bucket when it talks to their revenue it's not even a drop it's not even a trickle it's a rounding error they don't care they're mm. never going to care if i if i have to be the guy who's going to stick up for the little man i will do that jeff flory spit in the eye of a percentage Small percentage, Johnny Mac correctly points out. But whatever that percentage is, and oh, by the way, that percentage helped to get the Eagles $6 million for their charitable uh, activities. On Those Eagle fans that are out there that are dropping that dime. So I'm that not they saying can you're wrong, Jody. I'm saying they do not care, and that part's not going to change. Well, then I'm calling Jeff Flory on the carpet for not caring. Shame on you, Jeff Flory. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, the Mac and Mac Birds 365, guys. We got Tommy Lola from Eagles Blitz joining us next. Always fun when Tommy jumps in. He's up next here on Birds 365.
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to look. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. anything Tuesday 30 out of 32 teams in the NFL are one of them was not it's the Philadelphia Eagles but we'll find stuff to talk about with the birds and we will do it with our pal Tommy Lawler from Eagles Blitz that's I-G-G-L-E-S Blitz.com longtime Eagles writer good enough to give us a couple of minutes here today uh Tommy John and I were just talking about the whole flexing on Thursday night for Amazon and the NFL going to streaming I get it. It's the future and it's coming in waves and we're not going to be able to stop it. But are they just turning their nose up at the fans and are fans just going to sit there and take it because they just can't give up the love affair with the NFL? Are the fans going to take it? Yes, they, they are. <laughs> right? yes, they are. We, we, we know that. But you know, your, 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 your discussion 
before coming on, and, and there's a lot of truth in what you you guys are talking about. And you, it, it's complicated when you run a business. You always have to look to the future because if you just say, okay, we've reached a good point, we're going to stay here, stagnation is just not good for business. You always have to be growing, evolving, looking to the future. At the same time, uh, you know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, right? And it feels like the NFL, in their quest for every freaking nickel they can get their hands on, just steamroll over to fans, over anybody that's in their way, just to get that extra penny. And it's so weird because, you know, as John was pointing out, every other league in sport is struggling on some level. The NFL is just raking in money, and yet they're the ones the most obsessed with making more money. You know, yeah. at some point yeah. you'd say you'd think they'd say, "What's healthy for the sport long term?" Because there's going to reach a saturation point where people don't care and they do start to go away. And I don't know when that's going to happen, but it, yeah. it's going to happen at some point. Well, I mentioned I got a couple responses on, on social media and Tommy. They're like, well, don't care when there's 5,000 people in the stands. Well, that's the point. Yeah, they would care, but there's not going to be 5,000. You know, especially in this town, Philadelphia, I mean... They're going to sell that place out, and they know it. And uh, until you actually back up that talk as as a fan base, and I don't see it happening anytime soon, Tommy. I will say that. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, listen, the last time that I didn't watch an Eagles game, uh, one second of an Eagles game, was the season finale of 1994. Oof. Okay? So – you know, there are people like me that are going to just, they're playing their lives around, you know, you tell your family starting the first week of September and end of February, <laughs> don't count on seeing me a lot. You know, Sundays I'm going to be, and now Mondays and Thursdays and whatever else, you're going to be sitting there watching your Eagles games. And there's going to be a, a, a certain point when enough people just go, you know, who knows where this is going to stop? Are they going to introduce, hey, let's, let's work in a Tuesday. Now they've got the Black Friday game. You know, it used to be special watching the watching pro football, yeah. where you had your games on Sunday, and then Monday night was a big thing. Then they added Sunday night. There was a time back in the early '80s when Sunday night games were three or four a year, and it was a big deal. Oh, hey, they're playing on Sunday night. That's kind of cool. Let's watch that. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, it became Sunday nights and Monday nights. And you know, then there there were Saturday games for a little while. Now, now they just they're just beating us to death with Thursday, Saturday, who knows? And uh, like I say, at some point it's, they're going to kill the golden goose. I don't know if that's going to be in a year, five years, 10 years, but at some point they'll kill it because they keep stretching it too thin and not thinking about what's healthy for the sport. They just think about what's healthy for yeah, the checkbooks. I agree. The overreach adding days, I think is dangerous. Um, and I'm, I'm with you. I think they're going too far. When you start talking about now we got Friday, we had Thursday, um, you know, Christmas is well, three games on Christmas. There's three games on Christmas. When Christmas is on a Tuesday, are they going to play on a Tuesday? Exactly. Um, right. Yeah. That I, I agree with. They might be stretching. I, Jody and I are big wrestling fans. It's on every day. I can't watch it. And I, I can't. It's too much. You 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 do. I, I think you're a hundred percent right. That's really where they need to pull it back and say, you know what? All right, Thursday, that's ingrained. That's it, right? Sunday, Monday, Thursday, 
occasionally when college football's over, I'll even give you some Saturday games. Right. That's it. But the part of what makes football special is that each game is kind of like an event. Yeah. So you have the, the game itself. There's the lead up to the game where we always, you know, we're doing all kinds of game previews. We're doing stories. We're hearing interviews. Then there's the day after, maybe the two days after you're dissecting the game. What happened? Who missed a tackle? What a great catch. If you start to fill in every day of the week, then you're going to drown in information. And and all of a sudden, the, the one thing you don't want is in, in the NFL is for people to go, there's an NFL game on. I don't care because I've seen enough of it. Right. And and so coming out of the as a kid who grew up in the late 70s and early 80s, anytime the NFL was on, I didn't care who it was. Monday Night Football. I watched Monday Night Football as a kid. It didn't matter who was on. That was Monday Night yeah. Football. You watched yeah. it. Now, yeah. Monday Night Football, you know, if it's a crappy game, I'm not going to lie to you. I'll watch a few minutes of it, but I may sit there and put it on the second TV and on the first TV. I'm watching something on Netflix you know, because there's so many games now. Like say there's an oversaturation. And if you watch as, as much as I do, there's times you get a little burnout and you go, you know, I can't deal with when the Titans had a game last year where they threw like three passes in the second half and it lost in a brutal game. You're just like, I, I don't, this is not good to watch. Why am I a slave to the TV? You know, yeah. let me choose something healthy to watch it. Let me go watch some highlights from the 1993 season or something, you know, and saying like that. And talk about nitpicking. Oh, I'll do a fair share of it right here. And I seem to be more put off by this than either of you two guys. You're accepting the future as it is. Um, I got too big a TV down here that I can't have a second TV the way you got the Lawler set up at your house. Here's what bothers me about Amazon. You can't just flip to the other game. If, if you're watching at a, a baseball game or a basketball game or whatever on your TV, you got to get out of Amazon and then you get to your game. And then when you want to go back to Amazon, you got to go to the Amazon homepage and then individual. And it takes a while. I got that remote control in my hand. I want to go game, 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 and just go back and forth. And you do that with cable. You can't do that with streaming. Again, the NFL saying, here's what we think of our fans. Sorry about that. If you can't watch it the way you want to watch it. And you got to pay extra to watch on Amazon, which is a service. Again, they're just turning in. And I know the whole, Jody, it's 20 seconds, shut up aspect of it. But, yeah, it's 20 seconds. It's just going to tick me off no end. And uh, I actually get paid to talk about sports. Other people who don't are not going to put up with it as much as I'm forced to do it. Yeah, and, and we're going to run into some really strange things here. So, you know, uh I live in North Carolina, so I'm not in Philadelphia. So I rely on direct TV to, to watch the Eagles games. Well, this year that's going to switch to YouTube TV. Yeah. I'm going to have to get YouTube TV apparently and figure out how to, that, that works. And we know when streaming, there is a delay. So I can't be on Twitter during a game or else I'm going to know what's going to happen ahead of the play that I'm watching live. Right. Yeah. So it's supposedly it's live. Be... It's not quite live. <laughs> right. So it's going to be a, it's a strange world for me as I try to get used to that. And, and luckily I, I do have multiple TVs that I watch on Sunday. Cause I always wanted to see more than just the one, the Eagles game, but I'm going to have to figure out, you know, about watching multiple TVs with YouTube TV. I, I got a lot of stuff to learn this summer about how all this stuff works. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, I've and YouTube had nineteen and ninety eight. So now I've got to learn something new. It was just last week, I think. YouTube TV screwed up an NBA game or something. Yeah. And people were kind of incensed about it. And if that happens with the NFL, oof. 
Oh, they um, don't know what angry is. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if I got a chance to watch Boston Scott when the Eagles are up 28 points and, and he's running the ball on second down with 19 seconds left, I want to see that play. They yeah. better not take that play away from me. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, but to, to Jody's point, and I think I'm I'm like him. I, I don't like it. We're older, though. I do acknowledge um, younger people, man. Like I got, I got big screens all over my house, right? And when when some kids come over and friends and their kids, they're never they're never watching the TVs. They're sitting there with their phones, watching their phones. They're right. watching stuff, but they're not watching the big TVs. They just consume a different way, and unfortunately, um, as people like us go away people like that are who they're trying to reach and they don't care about stuff like joe jody just said they're like they're on their phones anyway um they're not watching yeah but aren't they the next generation of fans john well yeah but that's how they consume they consume why are they bending over backwards for amazon are they consuming on their amazon on their phones sure absolutely absolutely more so than us and we're doing it on the big screen. No, they pick up the phone. Bang. Amazon right there. So, That's so how they a, do it. There, there's a great filmmaker named Darren Aronofsky. And uh, he was talking to Quentin Tarantino about movies. And Tarantino asked him something about one of his films. And he said, well, so many people watch watch movies on their phones now that we have to keep that in mind when we're, when yeah. we're you know, composing shots and coming up with ideas. And Quentin Tarantino looked at him and said, that's the most depressing thing I've ever heard. Right. <laughs> and, and, and this is the football version of that discussion. Yeah. Right. It, it's absolutely true. You, I mean, listen, you, the three of us were watching TV back in the day when you'd have a, you know, 18 inch Sylvania that the TVs, that the families gather around and the, the football is, is, you know, it looks like an ant. And now we have these 65 and 70 inch TVs, huge, clear. And what do people do? They're going away from that to watch it on a freaking phone that's smaller than the TVs the three of us were watching back in 1979. Yeah. yeah. And it's just mind boggling sometimes, but that's technology. That's the world we live in. And the NFL is smart to embrace parts of that and to reach out because we're not the future. The three of us aren't going to be around for the next 50 years. Well, I don't know. Maybe yeah. you guys will. One um, less. Uh, no, yeah. uh, you're talking to a couple of guys who are up there. Uh, one last they do have to be smart about the future, so I I, th- I think they're 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 wise to 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 look into that on a certain level, but they also have to be careful because I don't know if those people are going to be the kind of sports fans that we are. Our generation yeah, was I agree where you with woke up too. and you yeah. you open the newspaper and you couldn't wait to read the box score. I mean, listen, back in the day, being a being a person who grew up in North Carolina, I'd watch Monday Night Football in part to see Howard Cosell do the halftime highlights so that I could see highlights yeah. from games oh, that yeah. I hadn't seen a thing of on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there, there might be the, the Cowboys and the Chargers played on the West Coast, and that game wasn't shown in North Carolina. So if I want to see a, a clip of that game, I got to listen to Howard Cosell do it at halftime. And so, you, are, you, know, you are 100% right there. There's all generation of people go, what do you mean you had to watch one show to get the highlights? Why didn't you just go to your phone? The highlights are always there on your phone. Why? The one that still to my mind just makes me laugh out loud. Uh, like John mentioned, young kid over the house visiting. I think I uttered the phrase and I had to get up and change the TV. 
And they said, like, what What do you mean you had to get up? I said, I had to go over to the TV and change the channel. Where was the remote control? There was no such thing as a remote control. <laughs> the young man looked at me like I had three heads. What do you mean there was no remote control? Oh, yeah. Technology has changed a lot of things in our life. All right, Tommy, let's take it back out onto the field. We talked enough technology and fans getting screwed and streaming and everything else. Let's talk about football. They're going to start the season. And according to Peter King, our buddy at NBC, the Eagles have no weaknesses. The team without a weakness. He did his first power ranking of the year, one through 32, Eagles on top. In a category by themselves, I can't find a weakness. And a little hyperbole there from Peter King, but can you make as bold a statement about the Eagles that there's no weakness to be found? Of course not. That's just, you know, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, there's a, a potential weakness on the team and linebacker, right? Uh, we have Nicobe Dean and Nick Morrow. Nicobe's the guy who's got the talent. Nick's got the guy who's got the experience. And but they're both question marks. Nicobe, I think, is going to pan out and be a good player for the Eagles, but there's no guarantee that I've been wrong on players before. Nick Morrow, we don't know what's going to happen with him. You know, he was a he's been an effective weak side linebacker, but he struggled when they, he's tried to play middle linebacker. We don't know where the Eagles are going to play him yet. Nobody's for some reason nobody's asked Sean Desai, is Nicobe going to be your middle linebacker or your weak linebacker? So we don't we don't know quite yet what how on our defense, Tommy. We just met the guy. It's been uh, you know we, you had we, ten minutes with it. What do you want, yeah. John? Come on. Yeah, we had no, to I, get through the philosophy stuff before we can get into the. Um, but uh, you know, we're going to see him next week uh, for a little window uh, during OTAs. They'll finally hit phase three. But Jody mentioned they're doing stuff. They're still in phase two. They're working out. Sure. Uh, but all the other teams have advanced to phase three. They'll they'll advance to phase three next week. We'll get to see helmets. We'll get to see where Nicobe's lining up. I, you know, he's going to be the middle linebacker. I think it's pretty evident. Um, yeah, can I ask and, a question? Sure. Where where's middle linebacker play? When you when they used to have three linebackers on the field, I could determine which one was in the middle. There's one on the left, one on the right. The guy between them was the middle linebacker. The Eagles never had three linebackers on the field. So how do you know who's the middle linebacker? Well, he's tricky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, typically the 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 strong side of the formation will tell you, and then ne ne Nicholas Morrow will be on the weak side of the formation, and you'll see uh, Nicobe. He'll he'll be the one moving back and forth more than Nicobe Dean. But, you know, when you talk about nickel defenses, and that's – I do think people get too caught up in personnel and because, you know, we're going through this, I don't want to say positionalist player, but I am interested to see how, you know, are we going to see a bunch of three safeties? Is Terrell Edmonds going to be playing linebacker? So like I got, I always say offensively, Tommy, I'll say, you know, people say, well, the Eagles are an 11 per personnel, but they're playing an empty set. So essentially, you know, Dallas Goddard's playing receiver, Kenny Gainwell's playing receiver, they're empty. Then maybe they motion back in and Kenny's a running back, but you know, the labeling system, I think people get too caught up in. Um, to me, it's about what they're doing on a particular play, but, as far as this scheme, and we've talked about it a lot, Sean Desai said all the right things when it comes to Philadelphia. You've been following this team for a long time, as you mentioned, and and people want to hear 
he used the term grit and aggression and 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 all that. Now I I've, I've yet to hear the defensive coordinator say, "No, we want to stand back. We don't want to be aggressive." But I think he said all the right things. But if he shows up and he plays the same, all right, we're going to limit explosive plays, light boxes. Is that going to pass muster? Yeah, I think it would be fine. You know, the defense last year was was good for most of the year. They just in the Super Bowl had no answer for Kansas City, obviously. And uh, the the new thing that's in vogue in the NFL is the light box and and, and avoiding the the big play. So yeah. if they want to go with that philosophy, that's fine. But part of what you have to do if you're going to do that is use your guys up front correctly. And I think when you have Jordan Davis and this year it'll probably be Fletcher Cox be the guys eating up blocks more than anybody. Eventually Jalen Carter will be that guy. <laughs> it frees your linebackers to, to, to make some plays and it keeps people from getting to them. And so if you want to play a light box, you've got to have the guys up front do their part. You know, when you have guys, uh, the Eagles attacking up the field last year up front and playing a light box, that's where things get a little dangerous. And it was great for Javon Hargrave to have 11 sacks and be so good at rushing the passer. But one of his weaknesses was run defense. And we saw yeah. that in the Super Bowl. There, there, there's some clips. If you'll watch, he just got blocked completely out of the picture and and couldn't do what he needed to do. And so that's where maybe you know that you, you look at when they brought in Moro Jomo. That guy did a good job as a two gap defensive tackle at Texas. Obviously, Jalen Carter is big and strong enough to do whatever he wants on the football field. Jordan Davis can do that. Fletcher Cox can do that. So they have guys now that can maybe eat up blocks and. If you're going to go light in the box, you bet you've got to have those defensive linemen who their mindset needs to go from making plays to disrupting plays and allowing the linebackers to make the plays. And uh, so th- they they can do that schematically, but they've got to they've got to have a, a, a buy-in from everybody, and roles have to be clearly defined. And I think that's where things got a little hazy last year. And obviously, teams you know we we go back to the Commanders game when they the Eagles first lost. They ran all over the the Eagles for parts of that game. The Texans ran over the Eagles, the Cowboys. So the, the you can go with that philosophy, but you got to execute it just right. And the Eagles didn't yeah. do that in some some key losses. Yeah. If they have a similar defense to the one they had last year, and that's what I came away from my first Sean Desai gathering with the media. <laughs> And we'll certainly judge more by what they actually do when they get on the field. Isn't that a good way to judge? Actually see them do it rather than what they say. Uh, So this is kind of a preemptive question, but uh, I'll give it to you just the same. Safety. If they're going light boxes, it does put more pressure on the safety to be as flexible as possible. And last year, both Marcus Epps and uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson did the job for the Eagles. Coming in this year fairly high, but not a first-round draft pick rookie. Reed Blankenship, nice job filling in, but not a whole bunch on tape that you can point to. Terrell Edmonds, who, yes, has been a starter for the Steelers, but they let walk out the door because he didn't quite live up to his draft status. Are they good enough at safety right now, Tommy, or do you think that's another position that Howie Roseman will be looking to upgrade after June 1st, right before the season starts, late cuts, how do you like their strength or depth at the safety position right now? I like safety. I do. I think Reed Blankenship, you know, people say, oh, he only started four games last year. Uh, you know, he was a UDFA. He was hurt for part of the time. But if you go back, they had Anthony Harris last year, right? At, at a certain point, they brought him back. 
And they played Reed Blankenship over Anthony Harris. Harris was the guy who had the experience, knew the scheme. And yet they were sitting there saying, oh, we're going to play Reed Blankenship. That's the guy we want on the field. And uh, in Sidney Brown, I think Sidney Brown can be a, uh, I think he's got a potential to be a good NFL player. So uh, those guys I like, I really do. And um, we'll see what happens with Justin Evans and, and, and Terrell Edmonds. They've got some competition here. That's one of the things they don't have a linebacker's competition. It's safety. They've got four. They've really got five <clears throat> guys battling for two spots or three spots. But uh, it's just a matter of seeing who wins. Now, listen, they could all fall flat on their face. We've seen that happen a time or two in Eagles history. But I think they've got some good pieces in place. And I think safety could be better than some people realize. Um, it's technology difficulty day. I just left. <laughs> Boom. I got a, a black screen and I was gone. So I didn't get yeah. all of what you said, Tommy. But uh, from the safety perspective, I, I want to talk about the back seven because we were talking linebackers before I went into the ether. And you mentioned um, the line, which is, I think we all acknowledge is really talented. You know, we'll see how quickly Jalen Carter can get up to speed, but even so tremendous depth, um, both on the edge and inside. But you mentioned in your right, I mean, guys like Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, they have to, in this particular scheme, they have to, tie up blockers and, 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 you know, allow the linebackers to make plays and even the safeties, um, Terrell Edmonds, Sidney Brown, Reed Blankenship. If that's the case, why are the Eagles saying, eh, TJ Edwards, eh, Kaiser White, they're not great players, but they were effective in this particular scheme and saying we can make do at linebacker when those are the guys who are going to be happy to make in plays. I'm with you with Nicobe Dean. Tremendous upside, tremendous ceiling, but he played 34 snaps last year. And Nicholas Morrow, not a tremendous upside. Hopefully, experience can get him through. Are the Eagles devaluing linebacker too much? Have they gone too far with the devalued aspect of that position? It's a fair question. And I think, obviously, a big part of this is just simple economics. You have to go cheap somewhere. You cannot go cheap everywhere. And or you cannot go uh, expensive everywhere. And so the Eagles said, you know what? We're going to take a chance. We got a rookie. Well, now a second-year linebacker into Kobe Dean, we like. And then they went and got a guy off the – I mean, he, you know, Kaiser White didn't make a bunch of money last year. No. But he you know, he, he obviously made more than, than Nick Morrow is, is scheduled to make this year. So they are – you know, the, with the two guys they have projected as starting linebackers – you're looking at what two and a half, three million dollars total salary, yeah. You know, and 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 you look at uh, T.J. Edwards is making what six and a half million bucks this year, so really it's economics, and you you you've got to be you've got to be a little frugal somewhere. And if they're going to pay Jason Kelsey big money, and they're going to pay uh, the defensive lineman big money, and they're going to pay Lane Johnson big money, and Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, you just got to go cheap somewhere. You've got to, you, you know, in, in a poorly worded way to say you got to neglect somebody, right? So linebackers where they feel like they can maybe have that position where they can go with younger, cheaper guys and get effective play if they limit what they have to do. And, uh, and, and again, the Kobe Dean's key to this, because I really think they like him and they want him on the field. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. They so, do. So if they get good plan to the Kobe Dean, all of a sudden we're going to see a whole new slate of articles. Howie Roseman genius. 
he's got this great linebacker for three more years at cheap money and and uh uh you know and part of it'll be pure luck that he, he fell to that point in the draft no two more years because he was a third round no, draft pick he's only got a four-year contract yeah. not you're a right, five you're right just, i just said remember. enjoy nicobe dean if he does play well exactly that's, that's, it's a catch 22 absolutely because yeah. the, the better they play they're only sitting to say how do we keep all these guys yeah it's a good yeah. problem to have but it is a legitimate problem agreed all right tommy i want your take on a couple teams in the nfc uh, I mentioned Peter King's got the Eagles of the number one power ranked team. Bunch of other media outlets came out with their rankings. Eagles are up there. They're either second or third in everybody's power rankings. Peter's got them at number one. Um, our buddy Jimmy Kemsky over at uh, Philly Boys put one out. And he had the New York Giants at ninth in the ratings in the NFC. Last time I checked, the Giants were in the NFC Final Four because they made the playoffs and won a playoff game. Yeah, they came in here to Philadelphia. You got the tails kicked by the Eagles, but they were in the Final Four. And Kemsky's got them power ranked ninth in the NFC. Johnny Mack thinks the Giants are going backwards off their nine, six, and one season. Yeah, I know. They were nine, seven, and one. But when you give up the final game against the Eagles and uh, Webb is your quarterback, I, I don't count that as a loss. I did the same thing for the Eagles the year before. I didn't say they were 9-8. and eight. I said they were 9-7 and because they didn't even try. They played the JV the last game of the season against Dallas. So I factor that in. Giants massive overachievers and coming back to the pack next year or, yeah, they were legit final four. Nine is a little disrespectful. I'm going to do the worst thing possible and say there's a little bit of both in that. Okay. Right. So they, they've got an, a talented base they've built. They've built a, a, a what potentially could become a good offensive line. Saquon Barkley is a terrific running back. They've added some players at receiver. Daniel Jones is no longer a turnover machine. And the defense, you know, did some good things last year. Uh, but they also won a lot of games where the opponent, I, I would watch the Giants, seem like I watched them several weeks in a row. And the opposing team, the fourth quarter, five minutes to go in a close game, you'd watch the quarterback just throw the ball up for grabs or somebody would fumble something or uh, one of the Jaguars players just had some indescribable moment where he didn't get the first down. He went down earlier, went out of bounds. And so the opponents, it felt like they were losing games to the Giants as much as the Giants were winning them. That stuff catches up. You don't catch lucky breaks two years in a row. That stuff kind of evens out. So we're – the Giants were in good position to take advantage of those mistakes. I just don't know that teams are going to cave into them the way they did last year. So I think you'll take a, see them take a little bit of a step back in terms of having some of those those little weird plays go their way. But I think the overall Giants roster is better, and those guys now have the confidence to think that they can win. They expect to win, and that is important in the NFL. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, sometimes I think I'm too hard on the Giants because – I got to watch him play the Eagles every year. And the <laughs> Eagles have destroyed that team. Um, you know, people can bring up week 18, but as Jody pointed out, I mean, I, you know, it, that game didn't look, it mattered for the Eagles and they didn't play well, but Jalen Hurts was coming off the injury. And if, if the, the playoff game didn't come to existence, they beat him 48 to 22 and 38 to seven. I, I, you know, it's hard to take that team seriously. And the Eagles have done, I think they've won 10 straight at Lincoln Finance. They dominated them as a whole for years and years and years. They are getting better, but I, I just don't 
find that team. I don't think they've reached a level from a talent perspective. I look at Washington, and that's where I want to go uh, with you. From 2 through 53, I think Washington remains the better football team, just talent-wise. Um, they have Sam Howell, though, completely unproven. <laughs> um, do they have a chance to surprise if Sam Howell's okay, the Washington Commanders? Yeah, the, the, there's some talent there for sure, and and there's no question about that. You know, Sam Howell is a uh, – uh, guy that I watched, I'm living down here in North Carolina, I watched quite a few of his games in college and was shocked when he fell to the fifth round. You know, at the beginning of the season, there was talk about would he potentially push for a first-round pick. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so sliding to the fifth, that was kind of wild. His ability to run and make plays, throw the ball vertically. Uh, Washington has some good receivers for him to work with. You know, a lot of it's going to be that offensive line. Are they good enough? And do they have the guys to protect him? It open holes for that run game. Uh, the defense has some good pieces in place. Last year, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen were dominant defensive tackles. Can both guys stay healthy and play at that same level this year? And uh, Washington just always seems to be a good team, a pretty good team that has some problem they can't overcome, whether it's bad quarterback play, key injuries on the defense. There's just always they feel like perpetually a seven and seven and or I guess a seven and ten, eight and nine team. I was going to say seven and nine yeah. going back to the yeah. old days, but they always feel like <laughs> they're one of those seven or eight win football teams. It's that's too good to be bad, but too bad to be good. The, and some in some ways, that's the worst thing you can do, yeah. right? Because you're always picking in the middle of the first round, and you're not you're not developing or you're not getting bringing in the, the difference makers to put you over the top. Uh, and part of that's a credit to Ron Rivera being a good coach and not letting them bottom out. Uh, but the, again, you know, the lack of a good quarterback has really hurt them because this is a quarterback league and being solid and what have you, that stuff's just going to get you to a certain point. And that's what the Giants are going to find out. Not losing games can only get you so far at a certain point. You need your quarterback to be a playmaker, right? Daniel Jones is no longer the turnover machine he was. But at some point, you've got to have a guy who can make those throws to help you win football games. We don't know if Daniel Jones can do that for the Giants when they consistency. And we don't know if, if Sam Howell can do it, period. We, you know, we saw one game out of him last year, and he showed some good things. But we need to see what he can do on a regular basis in the NFL. Yeah, and a Giants commander's quarterback comparison, I would say uh, Daniel Jones was a first-round pick who plays like a third-round pick. And I would say Sam Howell is a fifth-round pick who plays like a sixth-round pick. Not a fan. Don't, don't, think, don't think he's going to be able to play. Here's the role that Sam Howell should be filling. The new emergency quarterback in the National Football League. Yesterday, the NFL added back the emergency quarterback. to be on the 53, but you can have a 46 player who could potentially play on game day. But he's got to be your emergency quarterback. You can only put him in if your first two guys are hurt. They used to have this in play in the NFL. They did away with it. They relaxed it. You can play someone else other than the emergency quarterback. <clears throat> no, quarterback is the most important position, and you should have some latitude there. I like the fact that they've re-added it. I know Eagle fans are getting a kick out of this because <laughs> they think, oh, this is just San Francisco from last year's championship yeah. game. The poor 49ers, that's why they got screwed. We got to do something to protect against this. I don't care why they came back with it. It's a good thing. 
And that's what Sam Howell should be. He should be a uh, emergency quarterback. That's what he is in this league. Sorry, oh, oh big, that is that is disrespect, right? I there. am disrespecting Sam Howell. Oof. I do not think he's a starting quarterback. You think either one of you think he's going to start seventeen games for the, the Commanders this year? I don't know, but I'm not that down on him. So I, if you watch Sam, you know he is he he throws a oh, good. That's deep why you're ball. a Carolina guy. Yeah. Now you've yeah, got a yeah. quarterback who can watch this year. May is the real thing. He's going to be a star <laughs> in the NFL, not Sam Howell. Well, Sam Howell, though, I think you're you're underselling him. He's a legitimately talented player. Uh, you know, he we'll throws see. a very good deep ball. Carolina had a, a dynamic offense a couple of years ago with him throwing the football. And as a senior, it's funny he became a runner, and they, they had lost a couple of receivers, and and he became a guy that would he ran for like ten touchdowns as a senior. <clears throat> and some of those, he's running over guys and and making plays. So he's got the ability to make plays with his legs. He's got a solid arm. Uh, listen, is he a guy that you want as your starting quarterback? I don't. I'm not ready to go there, but I think he's got the tools to be to develop into an effective starting quarterback. I just don't know. Again, you're not looking for effective. That that's the guy who wins you six, seven, eight games. You're looking for Jalen Hurts, the playmaker, can lead you to the yeah. Super Bowl. Sam Howell isn't that guy, but can he become an effective starter? I think that's possible. I'm surprised they committed to him and and stuck right. with it. That's what I'm surprised with. I I mean I don't know. I mean, as you mentioned, Tommy, look, he was, I would say, a consensus first-round pick coming into his final college season. Then all of a sudden things happen. We we see it all the time. And all of a sudden, now he's labeled, right? We talk about labels. He's a fifth-round pick. And a lot of people say, well, he can't play because he's a fifth-round pick. Now, Tom Brady being the obvious example, that's not going to happen. Um but there are quarterbacks that come out of nowhere. Um, maybe he's one of them. Um, I don't know much about Sam Howell other than I didn't love the North. Now you saw it all the time. I didn't love the North Carolina offense. It was very simplified. If I remembered a lot of RPO stuff, um, but that's what they're running in the NFL. So who knows? Who right. knows? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, listen, the commanders believed in him enough to say, let's go with that guy. To those of us on the outside, we say, uh, we don't really get that. You know, there was a quarterbacks available to go after, take yeah. a chance on one of these guys. They didn't. They stayed put. Normally, I'd say that, that tells you, hey, listen, they believe in this guy. They know something we don't. Let's see how it turns out. But because it's the commanders, you say, is that just them being the commanders? <laughs> they haven't gotten the quarterback position right. <laughs> I don't know how long. So they don't have a, a, a good history for us to sit there and say, okay, you know, when you see Green Bay going with, with Jordan Love, you know, Green Bay's gotten quarterback right for a long time. Yeah. They, 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 even though they've changed scouts and they've changed GMs and they've changed coaches, but there's something organizationally that they do well with quarterbacks. Washington, we just can't say that. I mean, you got to go back to what, uh, you know, uh, uh, Robert um, – RG3 RG3 from Baylor um, you know I mean you want to go yeah. back to Joe Theismann <laughs> Mark Rippon how about Mark Rippon Mark Rippon in 91 yeah. was as good as it got so yeah, yeah no it's just so with Washington they may believe in him but the question the rest of us on the outside we don't believe in Washington right so yeah. them vouching for Sam Howell doesn't do a lot for the rest of the NFL so we're going to sit there and say hey maybe we'll see but I sure wouldn't bet a paycheck on right. him. Just uh, remember you heard it here first. Uh, the new <laughs> offensive coordinator was brought in after they had committed to Sam Howell 
And the coach was kind of on record that we're going to give Sam this chance. When things go badly, it will not be long before they move off Sam Howell. By week six, the commander fans will be saying, are we sure that accident with Dwayne Haskins was actually fatal? Uh, yeah, they, oh, they will move off <laughs> Sam Howell very quickly. Mark my words. Uh, there are guys that I take hardline stances on, and he happens to be one of them. All right, Tommy, uh, last thing before we let you go. When is the next time you're going to say, all right, I, I, I have to be on top of what's happening with the Eagles today? Next week, they start some physical activities, a lot of calisthenics, drills without pads on. Uh, they're a week behind everybody else, but they'll play catch up. <clears throat> is that more important? Is June 1st because the salary cap is affected by that date on the calendar? When is the next day you're going to say, all right, I got to know exactly what's going down with the Eagles today? The training camp, right? <laughs> Yeah. I don't even know training camp now. They yeah. don't do anything. Right. It, and there's but, only one cut down now, Tommy. Only 90 to 53. That's it. <laughs> Boom. It's, it's gonna, that's a cattle call right there yeah. when you've got 37 <laughs> guys at a time. Um, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly you know, watch whatever videos are out, read whatever articles are out there, and follow along. But, you know, spring football is, is so hard to judge from an outside perspective because they're doing teaching, they're doing basics and fundamentals and that kind of stuff. You know, you sit there. And when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You watch it, and it's just, unless you're the the player or the coach, it's hard to tell what's going on there and what real value is. Obviously, there is value, but as an outsider, it's just hard to to to, to see much, take much from that. And then uh, you go to training camp, and and like John says, training camp's not what it used to be, right? But listen, whatever changes the Eagles have made under Nick Sirianni, they've worked, and we know that the training camp stuff started under Chip Kelly years ago. <clears throat> the Eagles have, have won Super Bowls in this era, doing some of this lighter stuff. I miss the old days of going to Lehigh and seeing long physical practices. But if the Eagles go into the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl means training camp's a little more boring, then, man, sign me up for a boring summer. I will take it every time. I want to see excitement in January and February, not July and August. Check out his website, eaglesblitz.com. Tommy posts several Eagle articles and uh, posts every single week. Outstanding stuff. I'm on Twitter at LawlerNFL. That's L-A-W-L-O-R. NFL on Twitter. Tommy, always good catching up. We let you slide with the orange down there. Is that Carolina orange? Is that Tennessee orange? We, uh, you, Tennessee. you don't have a green screen like us, so you could actually put green on. Johnny yeah. Mac and I got to go dark every single yeah. time because we're down at oceans in case you didn't notice. This uh, was just we, a shirt that had the no ketchup stains on it. So, all right. Stuff for you yeah. guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm betting it's warmer down, there in, warmer down there in Carolina than it is up here in Philadelphia. I was freezing my tuckets off. Walking a dog this morning. Glad to see you in the uh, golf shirt. Tommy, thanks much. We'll get you back up in a couple weeks, buddy. Thanks, Tommy. Hey, love talking to you guys about the old days. That is Tommy Lawler. Eagles Blitz. The old days, the new days. He yeah. It all out it's always good to get a Mark Rippon reference in. You know, yes. I should have thrown Doug Williams in there as well. Ooh, Joe Gibbs man. won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. 
That's helped to stamp him as one of the greatest coaches in the history yeah. of the National Football League. He earned that moniker. All right, McBone and McDonald coming back. You got plenty of Birds 365 yet to come today. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Covered the Eagles for years, does it now from afar down in Carolina. But his website, Eagles Blitz, does have some uh, good opinion on it. Uh, a couple posts a week, uh, Tommy puts up there, and I think it's always good. All right, Johnny Mac, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday because the Philadelphia Eagles did what they always do. And we kid about it, but it, I, I get it. 
uh, you're not going to release information at seven o'clock in the morning if there's a roster move or something like that. No. We would love if that were the case because then the Mac and Mac guys could talk about it on Birds 365. No, they're going to release information when they they is best for them and best for the overall picture. It just always seems to happen at like 10.05. When we're off the air at 10 o'clock, Eagles uh, move, Eagles statement, Eagles uh, news breaks at like 10.05. That was the case again yesterday. Nolan Smith, the sixth of the seven Eagle draft picks, signed a contract uh, pretty much locked in. Again, the negotiation with rookie deals is almost a thing of the past. You've noted, I've noted, second-round picks – and the language of the contract is really the only spot where you see potential holdouts anymore. First round, they're all locked in. Anything after that, you're going to take what you're going to take. If you want to hold out your third or fourth or fifth round pick, good luck. They've got undrafted free agents who are already signed, ready to come in and take your position, which they'll give it to them and brag on it being undrafted as much as brag on it being a fifth round pick. And they already got their uh, second round pick done. Uh, Nolan Smith inking. Going to be part of the rotation. One guy left unsigned, and that's Kaylee Ringo. Again, uh, it almost gets repetitious, us giving the Eagles credit, but uh, their front office is on top of things. Uh, no, no issues. Uh, even if Kaylee Ringo doesn't show up till the day before camp starts, I don't think it's that big a deal. I think he's a, a – he could force his way into playing time this year if they have an injury, then they're probably going to need Kaylee Ringo. But if not, this is going to be a red shirt year for him anyway. Got to give Howie the props. He's gotten all his uh, contracts done with all his first-year NFL players. Um, yeah, no, nah, I'm not giving him props for that. He gets enough props. I, as you mentioned, it, this stuff is slotted. This stuff is not an issue anymore. There's a little bit of wriggle, wiggle room in the second round, as you mentioned. There's a little bit of wiggle room at the top of the fourth round, which is where Kaylee Ringo is. That's the reason he's last. Um, last year was Damian Pierce, I believe, um, uh, who was very early fourth round pick. Might have been the first, first or second pick in the fourth round. And the Texans gave him a little bit more money than the slot. They gave him like 25 grand. There's only so much. <laughs> and that set off sort of a, a fourth round kerfuffle because everybody else wanted 25 grand more uh, and sort of bump it up. And that's the little stuff you're talking about when it comes to negotiating um, and, and the new collective bargaining agreement, not new, it's been in, in place now. Um, but uh, rookie contracts, it, it's largely taken the negotiating out of rookie contracts. It's basically how I would describe it. So, Howie uh, gets a lot of credit, and deservedly so. I'm not giving him credit for this. This is easy stuff. This is, and by the way, this Jake Rosenberg, Bryce Johnston, they're the ones who do it, and it's not difficult for them either. This is a beta complete beta. Okay, all right. Maybe I gave him a little bit too much credit, and you're right. It's got to be shared credit uh, with other people work with Howie in that front office. I. I specifically made a point here on Birds 365 last week to give Eagle Nation credit because despite the fact that Devontae Adams came out and openly questioned the direction of the Raiders and the type of offense they're going to run. And Are you going DeAndre Hopkins on me? Yeah. Oh, that's exactly where I'm going. Um, 
there wasn't this you and Clyde. Oh, let's get Devontae Adams. Eagles could use Devontae Adams. We could be great with Devontae Adams. Anytime a big name player is unhappy, becomes a bell, whatever. Eagles, 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 Eagles. I get it from an Eagles standpoint. You want all the best players. You want you want the best player in every position uh, for the Philadelphia. It doesn't work that way in a cap league. But I, I was proud of Eagle fans that they didn't go over the top in the bring Devontae Adams to us uh, either here on the stream or on my telephone lines or on my social media. Yeah, Devontae, uh, excuse me, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins yesterday said, that Jalen Hurts is a baller. I would not mind playing with Jalen Hurts. And I was, I got a couple of uh, tweets last night that uh, wanted to know my opinion on could the Eagles get DeAndre Hopkins. Sure enough, we had someone just, tr- uh, K. Rowley X26. If the Eagles trade for Hopkins, they'd be unstoppable. Uh, I, I give credit uh, last week when the Devontae Adams stuff didn't come in. Yeah, they're not getting the no, up. Don't no. go there, people, please. No. It's not happening. He's not coming here. Although the Eagles do value that position, unlike some other positions on the field, they've already invested a lot of money in A.J. Brown. They're going to have to invest that much more in Devontae Smith soon enough. DeAndre Hopkins is not coming to the Philadelphia. No, this is a five-time, I had to look it up, five-time all-pro receiver. Not Pro Bowl, all-pro receiver. Um, this is a, you know, he's had some injury problems over the past couple of years. He's post-30, very expensive, expects the football. This is where I think video games have destroyed fantasy football, whatever you want to blame it on. I, I, I think... Really, when when it comes to roster building, and I'm not not everybody, but there's a lot of people, there is a science to it, and there are roles to it, and you need role players. You can't just put together uh, the best three receivers and say, they're going to be unstoppable. Now, what they're going to be is pissed off Mm -hmm. because they want the football, but so-and-so is getting the football, and you got to have a demarket. market. Like, who's getting the football? that's unstoppable is, you know, I got news for you. DeAndre Hopkins is more proven than both, both AJ Brown and Devonte Smith. Are you going to make DeAndre number one? Um, you think AJ is going to be happy with that? You think Devonte is going to be happy being number three, being the quest of Watkins of this offense? Um, and you could say, well, DeAndre's been hurt, so let's make him number three. Oh, yeah, he'll love that. Yeah. The five time. Uh, hey, we're going to throw it to you twice a game, DeAndre. Enjoy that. Um, boy, I, I don't know why it seems simple to me, but I guess it's not that simple. Yeah. I, I don't know. You, John, you, you, you describe it. It's the video game mentality, uh, it's the fantasy football mentality you want to get the best of every single player and put them on your team well here's the problem with your fantasy team you've got players from all these different teams who compile stats now you want to bring them all together and put them on the same team putting them all on your fantasy team is different than putting them on an actual football team that has to go out there and share the football that's why deandre hopkins is not going to work here in philadelphia we got a bunch of bunch of people checking in on that just thought uh, we needed to Break it down a little bit and say, don't get mad at Howie Rosen. Those, how did Howie not get when DeAndre Hopkins gets traded? Don't get on Howie's case and go, oh, 
How how he let him get to the whatever team he he lands up. No, he's he's not a fit here in Philadelphia. He's not going to be coming here anytime uh, soon. So just uh, I'm trying to cut you off at the pass there, Eagle fans, who will be upset when DeAndre Hopkins moves. Uh, I saw a quote from Jonathan Gannon. He says he's perfectly fine with DeAndre Hopkins. Come to camp. Don't come to camp. Going to be fine. The, the first couple of months of his tenure as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, not gone swimmingly for Jonathan Gannon, J-Mac. No, certainly, but not from that perspective. I think that, you know, if you think about where Nick Sirianni was when he was a first-time head coach, right? Same thing. We were talking about it post-pandemic. He's negotiating with the veteran players. Will you please come in for the off-season work? I mean, you don't have a lot of cachet, Um and that's where he is with DeAndre Hopkins. And 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 by the way, you know, a veteran player like that doesn't need off-season work. He keeps himself in shape. Anybody who sees DeAndre, um, you know, back on hard knocks back in the day, um, he's in tremendous physical condition. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't – you have a, a rookie head coach, veteran player – you know, you kind of, from his perspective, he's just crossing his fingers and hopes they could work it out and keep him um, because they don't have a lot of talent. Um, that's one of the reasons why he probably wants out of there. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think off season work is all that important as somebody uh, of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, status to be honest that i would agree with but here's and like you said he's a five-time all pro his his level of resume has been stated and um he's got a good couple of years now in that uh, that cardinal clubhouse when you're a new coach we all know that different level players are given different dispensations. Oh, by the way, you don't have to look any further than Philadelphia with veteran practice days being able to be skipped. Oh, everybody in the league does it. But when you're the new coach, when you're coming in, you're trying to rally everybody together. You don't want that disparity of how ways and how to what lengths different people are treated. You're hoping to have at least an underlaying of everybody's the same. It's difficult to pull off because that's just the way the league works. Now different players are traded, uh, treated differently. If DeAndre Hopkins is going to be given carte blanche to practice or not practice whenever he wants, you got a quarterback who's injured, who has shown uh, at times not complete dedication to the game. Had, Jonathan Gann's walking into a tough spot. That's And they're a bad football team. That's probably I, – I kind of buried the lead there. And they're a bad football team. Not going to be easy for Jonathan Gannon here in your number one time. No, and I think it has more to do with the talent than the other stuff. I mean, I always subscribe to the Jimmy Johnson theory, and this is Jimmy back with the Cowboys, not the Dolphins. So we're talking whatever that was, early 90s, late, you know, I, my quote always stuck with me when he was talking to his players. I'll treat you all fairly, but I'm not going to treat you all the same. And he was essentially saying, you know, hey, Emmett Smith over there, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, they get uh, they get longer ropes, but you know, as long as you treat people fairly, um, I think you're okay as a head coach. 
but that's just, I mean, that's just part of it. I don't know how you get around that. Um, you know, we always talk about voluntary work in this league. Oh, it's not voluntary for certain players. It's voluntary for stars because there's nothing you can do about it. Like uh, Aaron Rodgers, that's a big deal showing up uh, for the Jets because he never showed up for the Packers. Um, but, he, you know, he's trying to put a good foot forward. And if he plays next year uh, with the Jets, I guarantee he's not going to be at offseason work next year. Um, and he doesn't need it. Now, maybe you could argue some of the receivers. I think quarterbacks should be in, by the way, even better in quarterbacks because they're different. So I've criticized Aaron for that in the past uh, in Green Bay. Um, but, you know, if you're a guy, if you're the 53rd guy on the roster, you think offseason work is voluntary, Jody? It ain't voluntary. You're off. If you don't show up and you're toggling at the back end of the roster, hey, get out of here. It's not voluntary for those guys. Exactly. Been nice knowing you. And you mentioned 53rd guy in the roster. So my last question before we punch Ed Kratz up, the emergency quarterback thing, um, they put it back into the NFL. It needs to be guy on the 53-man roster. And then you get a 46th active player, but he's got to be on the 53 to begin with. Does I that think mean it's a Tanner? Seven, isn't it? What's we're, that? Already, we're already at 46. I think this bumps it up to 47. Okay, but... so they stretch it to 46. That makes it 47. How many How many inactives were there each week this year? Depends uh, on how many healthy players. What was yeah. it again? Sermon, who and who? Yeah, uh, the, the the book of Sermon. Well, 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 who was the third one? Uh, we'll have to get Ed Kratz up there. But, Kratz, uh, Kratz, you'll, Kratz, you'll know yeah. it. Um, but yeah, only if you keep adding. Oh, Josh Job. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 the book of Job, Job and the sermon, sermon yes. from the book of Job. There we go. <laughs> that was it. Eagles inactives uh, most of the weeks yeah. this year. Do you believe their third string quarterback, their uh, emergency quarterback, will be often on the 53 man roster this year? Oh, it has to be. It has to be. No, you don't have to have an emergency quarterback. No, you don't have to have. But the Eagles, um, the Eagles, I mean, to have an emergency quarterback, he's got to be on the 50. Right. So my question so, to you is, yeah, will they have three. their third string quarterback yeah. Oh, yeah. as one oh, of yeah. their 53? The Eagles typically want to keep three quarterbacks. They're one of the teams that wants to keep three quarterbacks, likes keeping three quarterbacks. Uh, and if they don't have three quarterbacks, it's usually because the third quarterback is pretty bad. Um, but they want to keep and, – and before this rule, they wanted to keep three quarterbacks. I mean, they kept Ian Book last year. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna keep three quarterbacks and take advantage of this rule. And I think they should. I think that's the way to go. You know, two twenty eleven, and we got to get to Ed Kratz. We'll talk about this with Ed. So let's break now and 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 sort of get to it with Ed. But they're they're going to use three quarterbacks. Okay. No question about it. Yeah, they did have Book as uh, the. Book of Sermon of Job as their uh, inactives this year. I know you guys had fun with that yeah. on a week-in, week-out basis. All right, we always have fun when we punch up. Ed Kratz, been a couple of weeks. He was on vacay. He looks rested, relaxed. No, he doesn't. He looks like Ed Kratz. Uh, and he'll come back and join Mac and Mac next here on Birds 365. 
Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you... It's, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was it was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, uh, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for we're making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got your Mega Mac guys here on Bird 365. John McMullen, Jody McDonald. A quasi Mac joins us. He looks like a Mac to me. Uh, Ed Kratz, Johnny's running mate at Sports Illustrated. Good enough to hop on. All right, here's where I'm going first. And this is for both of you two guys, but you specifically, Ed, because I know you posted about it, I think, on Sunday on your site.com. But I'm going to use a John McMullen phrase here, the mercenary market. They're not really going to bring back Deshaun, Watt, uh, Deshaun Jackson at midseason, are they? Deshaun went on some podcast somewhere and said, oh, I'd love to go back and play. That's where I've had my most success. And I could do the Indomitian Sioux thing, like John has termed them, the mercenary market, in-season ring-chasing group. They're not really going to go there with Deshaun again, are they? Well, you know, listen, I don't think you can rule it out. Um, If he stays in shape and he does all the right things uh, during this period of inactivity for him, then 
who knows? I, you just don't know the twists and turns that a season's going to take. I mean, we would have been shocked if we talked about Nadama Kong Su and Linval Joseph joining the team last May. You know, uh, you know, they finally did join in November, but you know, we would have been laughed at if we were talking about them joining in May, like we were doing here with Deshaun. But I think the Eagles receiving group is, you know, kind of thread thin here after AJ and Devante, it's kind of a mishmash of guys. I mean, I know they brought in uh, Olamide, Zacchaeus, and, uh, you know, they have him and they have Quez still on the roster, but it, it's a pretty thin group. Britton Covey, Devin Allen, maybe Devin Allen takes takes a step up. Devin Allen was at rookie camp uh, in the early part of May. Um, so, you know, we'll see. If something were to happen to Smith or Brown, uh, you know, from an injury standpoint, I, I don't think you can rule out. Deshaun Jackson, if, like I said, he's doing the right things and he's staying in shape. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Alameda takes over because I, I, I've learned how to say his name, <laughs> much like Halapuli Batibata. I'm hoping Halapuli Batibata comes back um, <laughs> just for that reason. Um, well, he, he's playing for that juggernaut Detroit Lions now. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeff Stoutland got him paid. He should yeah. get... Uh, uh, he should get uh, some residual checks uh, for for developing Halapuli Mati Mata. When it comes to Deshaun, uh, though, I mean, is he going to show up and you know play three plays and 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 strain the hamstring? I think you're right from this perspective, Ed. Injuries occur; everything's on the table. Barring injuries, I would think they would want to go in a different different direction when it comes to that particular player. I, I, it's, I, sure, I would agree with that. But listen, if the Eagles are sitting there at six and zero, and you lose <laughs> AJ Brown in week yeah, seven, yeah, then, then, then yeah, then, then the whole dynamic changes, yeah. and you, you wonder uh, maybe it's a you know three games and out with a hamstring injury for Deshaun, but you don't know that until you were to bring him in and, you know, see what he has left. And again, I think it would be a desperation move. I don't think they're going to bring him in in August no. to be the punt returner no. over Britton no. Covey. But again, uh, he could be in play should something calamitous happen, happen, you know, in the first month or so of the season. By the way, as an extension of that, real quick, sorry, Jody. Um, Quez Watkins, are you buying – that they're still high on him and hoping he has the bounce back or is that uh, a little bit of lip service? And um, where are you on the Quez Watkins meter? Yeah, I, I think they're, uh, you know, I know he's been mentioned as a possible trade candidate, but you know, what are you going to trade him for? You're going to get a late round pick. I mean, at this stage of the, of the year, I think he offers more value being on the roster. I, I know that, you know, his drop in the Super Bowl kind of really put a, a harsh spotlight on him. And, you know, he had a couple of plays where he that led the interceptions when Gardner Minshew uh, was filling in for those couple of games. Maybe Quez didn't fight hard enough for the football on those plays. But <clears throat> if you get rid of Quez Watkins, then you're really thin at the receiver spot. I mean, if you look at this group, it's a, it's a cast of who's, who are these guys like Tyree Cleveland and, you know, uh, Charleston Rambo and, uh, it, it gets real thin real fast if you get rid of Quez. So unless you're going to get, you know, a second-day draft pick for him, which you won't, he offers more value on this roster than not. 
No, I tend to agree on that one. It's been a while since we had Jan, if I'm not mistaken, since before we heard from the two Eagles coordinators this year, the newbies coming in, replacing Shane Steichen and, and Jonathan Gannon. Uh, I, I put X amount of stock into what they have to say. I defended uh, Nick Sirianni in his first press gathering when he kind of fumbled and fumbled through it. People wanted to see him fired before he'd ever coached today here in town. It's come on. It's his first time. Therefore, I think both Gannon and Desai did pretty well. We all want to read between the lines and think we know what their offense or their defense is going to look like. I wish I had a lawyer on with Johnson and Desai. Um, give us your first impressions of the two coordinators. How much stock do you put in what they said? Or do you just like, yeah, I got to show up because Sports Illustrated is paying me to it. But between you and I, I don't give a crap till they get out there on the field and actually show me what they're going to do. How do you handle the two new coordinators here in Philadelphia? Yeah, I think, you know, this roster is good enough to run back to the Super Bowl, right? So I think these two coordinators and how they adjust in their roles is really kind of an under-the-radar uh, situation for Philadelphia. I mean, we, we just don't know how Johnson is going to do calling <clears throat> plays, right? He seemed to talk a good game, no pun intended, uh, when he was asked about it. I think John asked him the question about, you know, the play calling and uh, how he thinks he'll do with that. But we don't know until he gets into the fire of a game how he's going to respond. And, you know, Sean Desai, Again, how he did a good job bringing him pieces. I mean, how would you like to be the defensive coordinator that takes over for the first time with a new team and you draft, uh, you know, Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith and Keely Ringo and Sidney Brown? I mean, that, that's a pretty good package of players to give you if you're the first-year coordinator. So uh, how he chooses to deploy them, uh, we'll see. I mean, there has been talk that it's going to be a lot of the same principles that Jonathan Gannon had in play, and, and maybe that will be the case, or maybe Nick will give him free reign to kind of put his own personal stamp on it beyond what Gannon did. So, you know, until we actually see them on the field and maybe we'll get a glimpse once OTAs begin, and I'm not really sure how much we'll see even there, um, we're probably going to have to wait until the end of uh, July and August and training camp and the preseason games to kind of get a flavor of how they're going to do. But there's no question that there's a big spotlight on these two guys because this is a roster that, again, on paper, looks like it could make another run to the Super Bowl. But we'll see how the coordinators do. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think I used that same term, Ed. I said under the radar. And you mentioned spotlight. I think there should be a bigger spotlight because we went through this, right? Super Bowl 52 when the Eagles won. And you remember, new normal. Hey, man, this this ro roster's loaded. They're ready to go back. They're the new Patriots. You had the new normal stuck all over the place on, on the walls. Um and they lost Frank Reich and John DiPolippo. Now they're losing the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. And I think everybody's, not everybody, but I think a lot of people are like, eh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't know if it is going to be fine. I think there should be a bigger spotlight, especially coming off what we just came off. We just saw, and Doug, by the way, as he's proven in Jacksonville, pretty good offensive mind himself but didn't do a, a great job losing frank reich and john why isn't this more of an issue or not i shouldn't say issue but more of 
question. At least an open-minded question. Yeah, well, I, I did write about it recently. Um, but, you know, <clears> we, we've touched on this, and you, you guys, I'm sure, have touched on it since, is that, you know, one of the keys, there were many keys to the Eagles' success last year, and one of them was the fact that they had the same coaching staff coming back from year one under Nick Sirianni to year two. They didn't lose a single person from that staff and that continuity and that those teaching principles really, I think, benefited this team last year. I mean, I thought it was curious when AJ Brown said last week that I think it was AJ Brown that um, Brian Johnson's putting his own, or maybe it was Dallas Goddard, but anyway, they said he's putting his own plays and his own route running and his way of running routes and patterns and what they're supposed to look like. Johnson's doing that with this receiving group. So, you know, it's a, it's new. It's something that's different. It's something that the Eagles didn't have to go through last year. And remember, the Eagles got a late start to their offseason program this year. Remember, it was a week past everybody else. I think it was April 24th. So they for, they chose not to do that extra week. Now they're starting OTAs on May 30th, which is pretty late. Um, so they're confident that, you know, this is just going to be a well-oiled machine and things are just going to progress the way they did last year. And I'm not so sure that's going to be the case. They're, these coordinators are going to want to do things a certain way, have a certain look to, the, you know, some of the things that they're implementing. And, you know, we'll see if the players can adjust in, in what is kind of a, a shorter period of time than most teams are doing. Ed, when you guys had the chance to talk to the coordinators, you got your group of veterans that you get every single year. They have a couple of guys who have been here before and going to be important guys on the team, get that media session in, and then they won't bother them until after they have to face everybody else. And one of the questions that ran through most everyone was about the Super Bowl hangover, that the records are what the records are. After losing a Super Bowl, it seems to be very difficult to get back there. Chalk it up however you may, Super Bowl hangover, call it what you want. It's just something that doesn't happen very often. Now, Cincinnati went, lost, got back to a championship game, didn't get to a Super Bowl most recent season, but the history is what the history is. They all had kind of different answers how to avoid the Super Bowl hangover. Were you buying? Did you like what you hear, heard from the players? Do you believe we are looking at any kind of a Super Bowl hangover here in Philly this year? Yeah, I mean, look across the street with the Phillies, right? They went to the World Series and they're, uh, you know, they're having a hard time. They have a talent through, yes. <laughs> Their roster is very talented, but they're just not clicking. And, you know, again, we can see it. It's hard to get to back to the Super Bowl and win it uh, after you've just <clears> lost <throat> it the year before. I mean, only three teams have done that. You know, not to bore you with the historical facts, but it was the 71 Cowboys, the 72 Dolphins, and the 2018 Patriots who were coming off the loss to the Eagles in the Super Bowl uh, the year before. So not an easy thing to do, and there's a reason for that, um, and many reasons for that. And we'll see if the Eagles can fight their way through it. I thought it was interesting, the players, you're right. They all had something different to say. I thought, you know, leave it to Jason Kelsey, Kelsey the Wiley veteran here, to – kind of put it in, in the good terms and that every year is different. It wouldn't matter if the same team came back. Things are still going to be different because it's a different schedule. You're playing teams at different points in the season. You don't know how injuries are going to shake out. Other teams have gotten, you know, they're different as well. So it, it doesn't matter who's here and who's not from last year. It is a different year. It's a different team. So, you know, how they adjust to – 
you know, whatever a Super Bowl hangover looks like is going to be telling. But, you know, I think they have the veterans in place with Kelsey and, you know, Lane Johnson and Kelsey or uh, Brandon Graham and, and uh, Fletcher Cox. I, these are good leaders. And, you know, people think maybe, hey, Fletcher Cox is overpaid. But again, I've always been a staunch believer in that you can't put a price tag on leadership. And this is where guys like Cox and Graham and Kelsey and Johnson are going to have to prove leadership and try to keep these guys from suffering uh, that Super Bowl hangover. Maybe they're the, uh, you know, the two aspirins and call me in the morning uh, (laughs) uh, prescription for this team. By the way, with Fletch, now that I think he's more important this year than he was last year, because at least you had Javon. Now you got a bunch of young guys uh, with Jalen Carter, a Jomo, another rookie, yeah. Even Milton Williams, Marlon, uh, Marlon Tui Pelotu, they're third-year guys. They've been around for a long time. So I think Bletcher's really important this year, you know, to get Jalen Carter up to speed because I think Jalen Carter's got a chance to be a really, really good player if he can obviously uh, keep his nose clean, uh, mature a little bit. I think he's, he's going to be a home run of a player. So I think Fletcher Cox's role is going to be more important this year than it's ever been. And I think some of those intangibles, maybe people forget a little bit. Um, But I want to talk emergency quarterbacks with you, Ed, because um, I guess because of the, well, not I guess, obviously because of the NFC championship game. I get a, I've gotten a lot of Eagles fans, maybe you guys, and I'll bring Jody in as well. Maybe you haven't. They took this as some kind of disrespect to the Eagles. Uh, we always talk about this. Why is it? I, I, why? To me, it's all right. The league is saying we don't want what happened in the championship game. Doesn't matter if it's Philadelphia, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, LA. They just don't want to see a team not have a quarterback in a big spot because they don't want. They crap at what that descended into. It's not the Eagles' fault. The Eagles said Hassan Reddick did a tremendous job on the pass rush, and Dominican Sue did a tremendous job. It's not their fault, but they just don't want the situation. Do you guys get that? Have you guys gotten that? Oh, they're picking on the Eagles because I, I don't get that. No, at all. Here's, here's the one thing I saw, and uh, thanks for letting me jump in here, Ed. Here's the only thing I saw on social media. Didn't get a call on it last night. I brought it up my show on WIP, uh, but I didn't get a call on it. But I saw on social media this morning. Several years ago when Carson Wentz took the shot in the head early in the playoff game. Yeah, Seattle. Yeah. And McCown played with a wet, torn hamstring. The torn hamstring. After that happened, nobody made a big deal about, oh, my God, the Eagles got screwed because they didn't have a third quarterback to go to. There was no rule change after that. But it happens to San Francisco 49ers. And, oh, my God, we got to reinstate the emergency quarterback. That's the only uh, opinion that I've seen out there as to how the Eagles are being disrespected. When it happened to them a couple of years ago in the playoffs, no movement. It happens to San Francisco, and they changed the rules. Yeah, but Josh played, by the way, gutty performance. The, the difference is, first of all, Josh didn't even say anything. That's how gutty Josh McCown is. Um but he played, and while people say he didn't play well, he played pretty damn effectively, actually. He was a, a, a an NFL quarterback in the game 
So number one, I think people didn't realize it till after the game, until it came out that he tore his hamstring off the bone. And again, more credit to Josh McCown than anything. Um, then this time where it was like, all right, you had, and by the way, this is San Francisco's fault. But then the, the back end of it, guys, is this is a Detroit rule. They're the ones who put it up. 2011, they took it out. Um, teams should have three quarterbacks, by the way. Uh, they should always have three quarterbacks, but they tried to budget. San Francisco got caught. I've never, that's their problem. I, I don't blame the Eagles, but I don't, I guess I'm asking the, why, why does this, I, to me, it's an NFL situation. They don't want that particular situation to happen. And by the way, not because of the teams, because of the TV product. We started the show with the TV product, Jody. We'll get it back in here because of the TV. They don't want the NFC championship game being a dud. Right. That to me is the thought behind the rule. Ed? Yeah, I can't blame the NFL. I think you should have three quarterbacks active. And however we got here, you know, you can call it the 49ers rule because they couldn't block well enough to keep their two quarterbacks healthy. Or you can call it the Philadelphia Eagles rule. I mean, they're the ones that, you know, made this happen. They're the ones that knocked the quarterbacks out of the game. So, you know, however you want to look at it, I like it. I think that you should have a third quarterback just in case. I mean, the situation rarely arises, but when it does, it's good to know that there's a competent quarterback there. It's not going to be a Christian McCaffrey who was warming up on the sideline in that championship game or a Greg Ward who Doug Peterson could have turned to probably in 2019. Remember, Nate Sudfeld was on the roster in 2019, but he wasn't active for that yeah. game had he been available. I'm sure Josh McCown is not playing the 60 snaps that he played in that 2019 playoff game. I think he might have, by the way. I think he wouldn't have told people and he would have played. Listen, he was a sitting duck. I mean, I know his numbers were okay. He couldn't put the team in the end zone. He got sacked six times. Um, he couldn't move. Uh, and, and that was a detriment. Nobody, but Ed, nobody knows he can't move because he can't move. <laughs> <laughs> right. He already couldn't move and now yes. he couldn't move even yes. more. But uh, yeah, he was 40 years old at the time. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't have come clean and admitted to having a torn yeah, off I, the bone. But no, nah, that's just the haunch, obviously. I yeah. think he would have played. I think he would have played through it. Yeah. But uh, the Eagles didn't cry about it. They didn't boo hoo and, oh, we need a third guy like the 49ers did, you know, it's the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The 49ers complained, 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 and now they got their wish, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. I think you should have the three quarterbacks. The one is the emergency guy who's on the roster and that's going to be an interesting uh, situation. And once camp starts to heat up for the Eagles is who's going to be that third guy. You know, they well, Connor McKee in the sixth. By the way, book there. So we'll see the irony of it. Did they even have a third quarterback? I, they didn't have a third quarterback, San Francisco. to my knowledge. Yeah. Did not. No. no. And that's, I gave their general manager, Mr. Lynch, a hard time for not only not getting someone better than Josh Johnson, they didn't have a third quarterback. Yeah. So they, well, Jimmy, they were... Jimmy, Jimmy was still hurt. Right. So it, presumably, if Jimmy was capable of playing, he would have been the backup. I would think, even if it was... I don't know. Uh, did they have a... I don't know if they had a quarterback on the practice squad at that time. They I don't think they did. Have, I don't remember. I don't think they did. They were he, down. He, because remember, 
Brock was number three. Josh would have been number four. They signed Josh off the street. They didn't even have a, a – they would have been the fifth quarterback. So I think it's more to do with we don't want this situation – in the NFC championship. Yeah. Well, now teams can plan accordingly. I mean, whoever it was, if it was anybody for the 49ers for that game, he wouldn't have been active anyhow. He was, yeah. You know, and, and the fact is, is if you're down to your third string emergency type quarterback, I mean, chances of you winning the game have gone from, you know, already oh, slim yeah. to probably yeah. none. If you have already gone through two quarterbacks and have to put whoever it is, your, is your third guy out there. Yeah. I got a strategical question for you, Eddie Kratz. Uh, our buddy Ruben Frank did the homework on this in his Rube's observations, not this week, but the week before, that all three of the Eagles' main running backs, and all apologies to Boston Scott because I got four guys now, and or Trey Sermon, although Nick Sirianni might want to tell you how great Trey Sermon is. He's number five right now. Uh, DeAndre Swift, um, Kenny Gainwell, and also uh, the – uh, Penny, Rashad Penny, Rashad Penny, all three of them in their careers, when they've had 10 carries or more, their yards per carry greatly out exceed in games that they have less than 10 carries. When they carry 10 times or more, a yard, yard and a half more per carry as compared to uh, when they have less, which means they're all good when they get work, when they get into a rhythm, when they get it going. Are they going to try and do that this year? Are they going to try and pick out a guy and have him be the quote-unquote lead guy? Or is it going to be shared week in and week out? Uh, the numbers were pretty stark. You can look it up in, in Ruben's column. I don't have it in front of me right now. But all three seem to play better when they have a good, solid workload on any <laughs> given Sunday. How are they going to run those uh, running backs in and out this year, Ed Kratz? Yeah, I didn't see Ruben's piece. He does a good job with, you know, that that type of uh, information. But stat uh, stuff, yes, he yeah, does. Yeah, the stat stuff, he does. Uh, I'd like to see, and maybe he did. I think all running backs, yeah, have a higher. Why Jody asked me that. Here's here's my spin on it, real quick. Ed. I'm like, it makes sense to me. If you got the hot hand, they give you more. They feed you more. So if you're having a good day, they feed you more. If you're having a bad day, they're like, all right, let's go to the next guy. And the assumption that you're going to get better if you're having a bad day, eh, maybe that's not a great assumption. That That's how I take it. Yeah, I, I think every running back would say, give me the ball more and I'm going to be more effective as the game goes on. Um, I know I understand the Eagles are very analytically driven. Uh, so maybe that plays a hand in their thinking going into a game and say, let's get, you know, Penny had a good game last week. Let's ride him again this week. Let's get him to 10 plus carries and, you know, see where he is. Um, but, you know, Nick has said in the past he he rides the hot hand, and you know Miles Sanders has always been that guy. The Eagles really don't have, to me, a, a, a true number one. They have a couple guys that can be the number ones, and I think they're that's what they're going to do. They're going to ride the hot hand and see who's who's carrying the ball best, and um, if it leads to ten to fifteen carries for Penny one week or. Uh, Swift the other week uh, or Gainwell even, you know, we saw Gainwell's role grow yeah. last year. Um, yeah. Then so be it. I mean, uh, it, I don't know if we'll have a thousand yard rusher for the Eagles like Miles Sanders did last year, but I think you could see three guys with 500 plus yards on the ground. All right. At Kratz E, Ed Kratz, follow Ed on Twitter, si.com uh, backslash NFL backslash Eagles does a tremendous job. 
Should have stayed out in San Francisco for Super Bowl 60, by the way, Ed. Just stay out there. Um, uh, the Bay Area getting Super Bowl 60. You know, I'll keep it with Jamal Singleton's group since we were just talking about it. Uh, end it here with you. Everyone, is it going to be Penny? Is it going to be Swift? Is it going to be Swift? Is it going to be Penny as the lead back? Give me an odds that it's going to be Kenny Gainwell. Uh, give me, you know, uh, I, I think the Eagles like Kenny Gainwell more than people realize. Rashad Penny has the injury history. We all know he's talented, but it's tough to count on him. DeAndre Swift, guys never run for more than 600, I think at 17 yards was his top. It's not like he's a proven commodity. What are the odds Kenny Gainwell is the lead back on this team? Well, I, I think they're probably pretty, I don't know, maybe 20% that he will be, uh, you know. Jody's uh, going smaller. Oh, you're going yeah. smaller. Yeah, it could it could be smaller. I mean, I you didn't bring Penny and Swift in here to, you know, sit them behind Kenny Gainwell. You, you brought them in here to play a role. And Swift, listen, if I'm Gainwell, I, I'm a little concerned. Uh, I know he had his role grow last year, but, you know, remember when training camp started in the preseason? I mean, Nick Sirianni was in Kenny Gainwell's face several yeah, he had times. A bad, he had a bad regular season, yeah. but then he yeah, it wasn't played well down the stretch. Yeah. yeah, and Swift can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's one of his, you know, really good traits. And that's what Kenny Gainwell does. So, you know, I think they're going to use Swift and Penny, and, and they'll work Gainwell in. But Gainwell's going to have to earn his snaps because, like I said, they didn't bring Swift and Penny in here to, you know, sit behind Kenny Gainwell um, or even Boston Scott. And I love Boston Scott. I mean, that guy just knows his role. And they don't play the Giants till later in the season. <laughs> yeah, what's Boston Scott going to do for the first 15 weeks of the season? <laughs> He's going to be the bodyguard for Jordan Milata and all those other guys that he stands next to during yeah. the press conferences. Yeah. I guess so. Uh, and, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, I think Kenny Gainwell, because uh, Miles Sanders uh, cut the ball outside rather than ran it up in the first play of the Super Bowl, got a little bit more in the Super Bowl than he was supposed to get. John's been harping on that since Super Bowl Sunday, and I think he's right. Yeah, they got a little annoyed at Miles, and they uh, turned to Kenny. Kenny didn't exactly lead the Eagles to victory in the Super Bowl either. I think people are overestimating what Kenny, what gains, pardon the pun, Kenny made at the end of the season. I think it's Swift or Penny. All right, Eddie Kratz, we kept you long enough. Uh, we appreciate it whenever you hop in. Uh, we hope you enjoyed your downtime because we like I hope you get some rest, time. man. It sounded like you're going get through rest. I thought he was on vacay. Nah, he's doing hikes. He's going to Yosemite. I was, I was in Yosemite Park hiking yeah, eight man. miles one eight day. Eight miles, yeah. 2,000 feet to 6,000 feet. Did you have like 60 pounds of gear strapped yeah. in it too? It was, uh, with, it was most with challenging. Who, who did you go on this hike with? Uh, my son. Uh, How who, old is your son? He's, he'll be 27 in June. Damn. Uh, I had him when I was 15. Uh, <laughs> that tells you. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, you know, my son, his girlfriend, and my wife, who you know is yeah. just a couple years younger. Your wife did me. it. So yeah. you're tired, but your wife's fine. Suck it up, Kratz. Get the yep. job done. <laughs> yeah, what can I tell you? She's By the way, uh, Ed's second most difficult hike is 
from the Eagles Media House to the <laughs> Novacare Complex Auditorium. That is a treacherous, treacherous hike, by the Especially way. Especially when it's raining. You know, yes. those puddles collect on the sidewalk yes. and you can't see them at night. You're stepping in them, your feet are getting yeah. soaked. You know, I don't think people realize that you treacherous. Know, the trials and tribulations of Eagle Beat, guys. Yeah, right. Any <laughs> good stuff. We'll get you up again in a couple weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Ed. Special Ed here with us on Birds 365. All right, we're coming back. Got to put a bow on the show. We're running out of time here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Yesterday, we had a bunch of things, the emergency quarterback and the streaming in the Thursday night and flexibility, being able to change games. And I don't think it's going to affect the Eagles, but I noted earlier, Jeff Flory was one of 28 others, so he had good cover 
but there were voters that uh, owners that did vote against it. Um, and Eagle fans, I hope you don't get stiff during the year. If you got travel plans going out to Seattle late in the season, that that one becomes a Thursday night game. If it happens, just remember Jeff Lurie helped there. Let it happen because he was one of the 24 votes that got it got it passed. Uh, so that was part of the business yesterday. Uh, you mentioned the Super Bowl is going to be out in uh, the Bay Area three years from now. Vegas this year, I think it's New, New Orleans. Orleans. <clears throat> New Orleans, Vegas, New Orleans, uh, Santa Clara. Green Bay got the draft in whatever year that was. Uh, yeah, the next year's Detroit and then Green Bay. The Green year Bay in April, by the way. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, it might be as cold as May in New Jersey. I could go wrong. There might be snow. You, you never know in Green Bay. We shall see. Any other major issues that the owners have to work out when they're getting together this um, week? The biggest one left, I guess, which Roger Goodell is evidently trying to push through is that uh, touchback at the point, which is so important to get done. And basically all it is is, and he's trying to convince the owners that, you know, hey, we got litigation. Let's uh, protect ourselves as much as possible. And you could point to the look, we're trying to keep the game safe and then play all these games on Thursday and short rest. And the, ho- the the false flag that is player yeah. safety is our top concern. Yes. I yes. I know where you go with that one. All right, Johnny Mac, we'd be out of time. Uh, we got uh, our, our buddy on Wednesdays, uh, Mr. Gill, joining us, working on uh, who's going to join us a little later in the show. Uh, I'm here tomorrow. I'm in, unless of course the coffee <clears throat> machine breaks again. Yeah, the coffee machine. Up. You gotta, you gotta figure out the coffee machine. So you got your day. Eagles will have some uh, player availability tomorrow as well. In tomorrow, the afternoon, who, so uh, uh, and I'm, I'm sure if it's tomorrow, you have no idea who it is just now. No idea. Yeah, yeah. Zero. Way, no idea. way too early. Way too much in advance for the Eagles to let you know. Uh, Brandon who Graham will be gonna... amongst the group. I'm going to guarantee that. I was going to say, is that healthy speculation, smart speculation, or do you smart speculation? No, smart speculation. Yeah, I, 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 I would join in, even though I won't be there. I would join in on saying, uh, pretty good shot, Brandon Graham will be made available. Why? Because it's smart to get Brandon Graham available. All right, uh, Johnny Mac, let's do this again. You in? Let's do it. Mac and Mac back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.